at that event. That is all we did. That is First Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 to 18. Then we read it out, right? After reading it out, what did I bring before you? Again, let me just read it because I don't want to take chances the new people in the house. Let me read it. After reading it, then I gave you what I called the low-hanging fruits. The immediate things that hit you when you read it. The immediate messages that, that come screaming at you when you read it. And I said one of them is the imminency of the coming of the Christ. Then I said the second one is that there seems to be a transformation that must take place, a change that must take place. And then the next one I said there is... Okay, if you shout it, then people will hear, because I think you're servants, so you, you preach. Yes, it's a transportation. They'll be being caught up, being caught up with the Lord. Hallelujah. And on and on. Let me just read that scripture for those to get our bearings so we can get started with so much joy. You see Korea has just come in the Jaffet Korea, very powerful, very, very senior in care, my son there. Very powerful commissioner there. So now, uh, I just want to read the book of First Thessalonians, the fundamental scripture, the foundation scripture for rapture, that we may get our bearing tonight. And remember, it's going to be quite long tonight. But just bear with me, because I need to deliver this time is out. We're living to other countries, right? Just bear with me, blessed people. First Thessalonians, First Thessalonians chapter 4, 13 and 18. I'm reading it right now. It says, brothers and sisters, who are those now? Who are those? Brothers and sisters. That's hermanos y hermanas in Spanish. Those are brothers and sisters. That is the church. So in the scripture, where he wants to talk about the rapture of the church, the first thing he does is to talk about brothers and sisters, the church. Meaning the rapture is confined to strictly the church alone. If you are listening to me outside there, I know you're tuning from Australia, you're tuning in Europe, Latin America, and maybe you're driving in New York City and you're just tuned in this, and then you wonder, hey, how can I be part of that wonderful thing he's discussing? You must then be born again because the rapture is confined to the church alone. Are we together? And so he says, brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death. And so... We do not want you, again, so that you, so you do not grieve like the rest of mankind. Let me read it again. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. We saw that that is very big. Now we're together. We saw that that is very big. Hallelujah. That is promising. He's saying the following. He's saying to the church, the scripture that rolls out the cascade, the rollout, the unfolding of the event called the rapture. He begins by saying, brothers and sisters, he's addressing the church. Meaning the rapture is for the church alone. You must be born again to partake of it. Number two, then he says, we do not want you to be uninformed. In other words, he's saying he does not want ignorance. He does not want you to be unenlightened, not enlightened. So when the Lord begins to speak about the rapture of the church, then the first thing he raises, look at this now. Um, okay, let those who are writing, because I think they were not here yesterday. You can write, my daughter, because I know you have come today, right? You can just write. You, you notice I'm paying attention to you. Of course, I'm the team here, but I'm paying attention to you, because I really want to address you so you are together with them at the same level, right? 
So you can write. For them, when I'm saying they give me eyeball, they can. But for you, just write it down. Don't miss it. So look at this now. The scripture that rolls out the rapture of the church, he begins by saying that he does not want the church to be ignorant of fundamental aspects of Christian salvation. Are we together? The fundamental features, the foundations of the faith. Look at this now. He is talking about the worry, the rebuke. He is rebuking the church that they are in the house and yet they are ignorant about a fundamental foundation of the faith. Something so fundamental as death and resurrection. And yet we know that without death and resurrection we have nothing. Nothing. Are we together? So that is very serious. So that, that alone is, is, catches your eye right away. You say, just a moment. Because we know that when Christ Jesus came and died and resurrected, that is what makes us different from anybody else. Because all the other gods did not resurrect. Hallelujah. And then how can you sit in the house with ignorance on such a matter, so basic, so foundation, the pillar, the pillar of Christian faith. And it says, death and resurrection of Jesus and hence of the brethren, of the believer. Because we know that we are partakers in the first resurrection, the glorious resurrection of Christ. Because of that, now we can go out and preach hope, Right? We know that because of the death, the promised resurrection, the death and the promised resurrection he promised us, now even if someone appears with a gun and tells you, are you going to renounce Jesus or I shoot you? Because of that, now we accept to be martyrs, enter martyrdom. Because I know just a moment, if I tell him, no, 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 please leave me, spare me so I can eat my days, then you know you will still live just for a short time and one day you still have to die. And yet we know that the greater eternity is right ahead of us here. And we know that that death and resurrection of Jesus is also the reason, the hope. We have great hope. In the midst of COVID, you find a Christian is smiling. Why are you smiling? Because I say, it tells me that my Savior is coming. Time is near. We know that that is the reason we are now involved in sacrificial living. Where you ignore things because you have another kingdom you are headed to. Right? Look at these blessed people. We, you know very well that normally when you live your life, uh, you reach about, uh, is it 30 or get it 40? Then things start going down, right? Health starts going down. You know, diabetes starts here. CG arthritis here. The doctor said, don't eat these red meats again. He's now removing things from you, <laughs> from the mouth, right? <laughs> Hallelujah. So, you, you're starting to worry because you, your life is going down. If you used to go to the gym and lift five, three this side, three this side, now you find they can only put two. It's now reducing. Then you realize that you're headed down. Right? But he's saying for us Christians, as he's heading down, then he says, just a moment, can you stop the worry? There is eternal life. Much bigger waiting for you. Do you understand? That is our hope. And so he found that the church was worried. Why were they worried? Because 
after they were preached to, it was three weeks and the church was planted, they were taught the doctrine of sin and separation, doctrine of the Holy Spirit, the doctrine of sin and consequence of sin. Hallelujah. Everything plus the coming of the Messiah. When they were taught the coming of the Messiah, they went and gave out their homes. They gave homes. They packed small bags and went to the field, started just worshipping, looking up, waiting for Jesus. That is first century church. That's when you see later they came and told them, no, just a moment, go back to work. Yes, it's good to wait. It's good to wait for Jesus. But that was so classic of them to do that, right? To disconnect from the world right away and now look forward to another passport, another kingdom, another citizenship they have just acquired. A much better city, a better country. That was so classic of them and that acts as a rebuke to this generation of Christians. Because in this generation, they are so attached. And look at this now. That's first century. Now, thousands of years have passed. How much more should you be waiting for the Messiah than them? And that's why, look at this now. We saw very clearly that that ignorance was being rebuked by the Lord. No, you cannot be ignorant over this matter. And then, verse 15, as I read, just so that we may advance this quickly, so I get started for tonight. He says the following, verse 14 rather. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to God's own word, the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive and are left. So, so he said, we, we, we. Are you noticing the we? If I were you and I had a marker, I would mark the we, the we, the we. They believed that the Messiah would come in their time. That's amazing. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive and are left until the coming of the Lord will certainly not precede them, those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. So he's laying out the cascade, the protocol of the rapture. Are we together? And then he goes on to say, uh, and, and he goes on to say right here, verse uh, 17, and the dead will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Can you focus on me now so that I just summarize this, what we saw for the sake of the new people in the house and tuned in tonight on radio, globally? So we saw that when you read that key scripture, that foundational scripture, that landmark scripture, where the Lord makes a bold move, it's unbelievable. A bold move, he steps forward and he says something that sometimes people, you know, may wonder, really, is that going to be possible? That the day is coming when the Lord will physically remove people from this earth. Physically. Physically. And take them up and they will fly over the clouds. You see, you see now what the Lord says. He makes a bold move and steps forward and promises such a thing. That there is a day when Christians, Christians will disappear from the earth, my Lord. They will now disappear from the earth and then everybody will understand that well, now I really understand why they were Christians and very devoted. 
Now I understood why engineer Wachira used to live. He has a, uh, I don't want to mention names here. Uh, on, we are live on radio. But he was very busy engineer with big projects in this country. But when this message began, he used to go and sit down there and just listen. Remember, he realized that there is a day coming. There is a day coming. When it will not, not matter whether you are billionaire or you are from which citizenship USA or you are from Kenya or you are a widow or you are healthy or whatever, it will not matter. What matters is that you be found holy. And that Christians will be physically taken away from this earth. That is serious move of God. For the Lord to move forward and announce that, that was a bold move. He stepped forward and promised this. That you will fly over the cloud going. And when he asked him, why are you going? A monumental thing. Huh? And so we said when you read this scripture that lays out uh, the cascade of the rapture, then the question is, what are the things that, the first thing that hit your face, scream at you? Because that's where the instruction is. And so we saw very clearly that right away, because of the following, everybody just focus on me. I know, I know I have so much tonight. Just bear with me. We have a long service tonight, right? Yeah, just, you will stay up to 10 p.m. Please allow me. We have started even late, right? But what I'm saying is this. He's saying probably you can, you can face it this way. You can say, I am tired of cancers. I am tired of diabetes. I am tired of arthritis. I'm tired of tumors, fibroid, bleeding disease. I'm tired of these things. I really want that day. Can you tell me that thing you have said is good? You will have glorious bodies and will go up there to be with God. We will not die again. Can you tell me when it will happen? I won't wait for it. And then, that is the first thing that hits you. The imminency of his coming. Then you are told he will come at a day and an hour that nobody knows. In fact, he says that least expected. When you most don't expect him. Hallelujah. So, the thing that first hits you is the timing of that event. The timing of that event. Because you really want to make sure you are in that event. Then you are told the day and the hour is not known. And we read a few scriptures. We read, for example, Matthew 24, verse 36, where it says, Oh, do about that day. Nobody knows all the hour. Not even the Son of Man. Not even the angels. Then he says the following. Like it was during the days of Noah, so shall it be. And yesterday we dissected a bit of that. And you saw that it is worse now than the days of Noah. Because people are busy with life. He said, they are eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage and planting and sowing and harvesting and building and buying and selling. The same things that are being done now. Even to a greater scale. And they were not aware until the Messiah came. Or rather until the judgment came. And so this one is saying, that is how it will be. So that, that, that should cause alarm. Alarm to you. Do you know why you should be alarmed? You'd be like, no, I don't understand that. Because the days of Noah understand very well that only eight people are saved. What do you mean? Do you mean only a few will be taken? So the purpose is to alarm you to be on your guard. So you're not consumed by complacency. Are we together? Oh, yes. That's what we saw yesterday. 
And so we saw that those things that hit you right away, one of them is the imminency of his return. And number two, you see quickly that there will be a change. He's talking about we will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. That there is a transformation that will take place for those who are dead, who are holy at the point of dying. Okay, just a moment. We are talking about Christians who have died, right? Okay. Let me just repeat it from this side. Please. Those are people who at the point of their death, they were holy. Please. Let us be clear. This blanket offer of covering people with a blanket, say everybody just come in, everybody of security of tenure in the kingdom. No. Not at all. At the, that's why it's very important for you. The imminency, the imminency of his return instructs your preparedness. That you should now live as though when you wake up today, you say, wow, how about if this be the day when the Christ returns? Would I make it? Even now as I'm talking to you, you can be able to examine yourself. You can be asking yourself slowly on your own, hey, how about if Christ came right now, 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 as I'm here? Would I really make it? And that is the point at which you begin to make reforms and readjust your life such that this becomes a centerpiece. So your life gravitates around the coming of the Messiah at an hour you don't know or a day you don't know. Are ah, we together? This is serious. And so we saw that the imminency in your life. I don't have time to do all this. But number two, we also saw that there is being, the believers will be transformed. Those are the things that hit you right away. Then, then we saw that there is being caught up. We mean transportation. They are caught up. We will be caught up with the Lord. So literally Christians will fly over the clouds here and stand in the air there and meet Christ in the air. So, but you see, can I ask a question? Yes. Please, how about, won't I fall? No, you will not. That time now you are operating outside the laws of nature. Yeah. Supernatural in Espanol. In supernatural now. So, and so, you will be caught up with them there. And believers will spend eternity with Christ. That's one other thing that comes out of verse 17 right there. And so we shall be with the Lord forever. Eternity means eternity. Forever. And that is so powerful because then you have escaped the lake of fire. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. At that time, they, you have escaped the lake of fire. Why are you panting like that? Why are you panting? And you, you know me. Me, me, I was a sinner. Me, I thought I was going the other side. Whatever. Okay. I don't think we have that story. Say, just calm down. Now you have entered. It's the last minute in the hospital before he died, someone walked in and led me to the Lord. When all my life I was living as a sinner. You know, for me, whatever. Don't bring those stories here. Just move on now and start serving God, right? Yes, don't start panting and saying, oh, I escaped by a whisker, whatever. Yes, but there is another side that is the lake of fire. So you don't take it for granted, right? He has invited you, public invitation, to spend eternity with him, right? And we read from there, the book, for those who are not yesterday, 1 Thessalonians 4.17, Romans 14.8, John 12.26, 1 Thessalonians 5.10, Luke chapter 23.43, to tell you the truth, today I will be with you in paradise, the man on the cross. 
We gave you those scriptures yesterday. And then we also saw that believers should comfort one another with this prophecy, this promise. That once you know now that there is an eternal kingdom prepared for you, and the Lord shall take you, shall come and take you, then you right away move above the storms of this earth. Now you rubbish them. You say, no, even if they come, I'm going to the kingdom of God. Even if the doctor says, my joint, this joint, this knee, I'm watching it. I may need to do a knee, re knee replacement. Whatever the doctors may be saying, you now don't care. You know that there is a better body coming, a glorious body, a better kingdom, an eternal life. A place where you won't pay rent. The agents are not knocking the door. Not at all. No thoughts are coming, oh, I want to lock my door. Why, why, why are you busy locking doors? You know? <laughs> Hallelujah. This is orientation for heaven. That you may not reach there and say, oh, I'm raw. I, didn't, I was not prepared. He saying, total eternity of safety with the Lord. And there's nothing better than that because the opposite is terrible. It's the lake of fire, Right? And then we saw very clearly that another thing that hits you very much right away there is that Christians should make sure they get ready and prepare very well for that day. That's now your take home, right? And then after that, then later we began a very powerful session when now I took you back to the scripture so we can now open up the rapture of the church, right? And that's where I want us to pick, from, pick it from. Because... We saw very clearly now, after seeing the broader look at that scripture, then we now went deeper and anchored ourselves on it and began to open verse by verse. And the first verse we opened over there was First Thessalonians again, chapter 4. Then the two verses, 13 and 14. We said, brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed, meaning uneducated and, and about, those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. So that alone is such, you saw yesterday, that's a monumental statement, right? Because right there, he raises key issues there. He raises the fact that there was total ignorance in that church in Thessaloniki. The church in Thessaloniki, there was total ignorance in that church on the matter foundation as death and resurrection, which is the foundation of our gospel, foundation of our Christian lives, foundation of everything we have, our hope. Are we together? And so he was rebuking them, saying, how? How can you be ignorant of such serious matter? What is really anchoring our faith? And then in the process, the Lord turned it around because, you know, people would have laughed, say, yeah, that church really, Ay, they, they were really ignorant about that. Ay, how, they, they were also too much. How could they be ignorant? I said, okay, okay, that's all right. But can we now stop that and address this matter of ignorance in the church? And then address the present day church. Then we found that it's huge that there is big ignorance in the church. That if you just look at number one, 
the way the present day Christians are living, everybody just, <laughs> if just focus on me. I know, you right, right, because there are new people here. But those who were here yesterday, just focus on me. See, if you just look at how the present day Christian is living their Christian life, you are shocked. You are shaking your head, my daughter. You shake your head on them. You are shocked. Because the first thing that is going to hit you, I can give my own example, that when you go to countries and countries, one after the other, to prepare them for the coming of the Messiah, the first thing that hits you is the fact that they are living their lives in total oblivion, not aware that the Messiah is coming. Not even aware. So that ignorance becomes worse here. In this one, he said, okay, that was them. But look at this now. For them, let me tell you, and a few people I had phone calls with you yesterday, even this morning. And I said, for them, they were ignorant. You, you want to laugh at them for ignorance on, on death and resurrection. But now, let's turn to this generation. Look at this. They were ignorant over this matter of the rapture, how death of those of their loved ones who have died before the rapture would anchor. How does it connect with rapture? Are they lost or they are going to benefit from the rapture? They are ignorant in trembling, in fearing that they are going to miss rapture. But today they are ignorant in deep sin now. It's totally different. Oh yes, they are living in ignorance. If you look at the women dressed in the church, they show their chests. They want to tie it close, show the anatomy. So you short dress, show what? No, that is total ignorance of the following. Number one, of the value of your soul. You are fooling around with your soul. Oh, I do that. I took up. The devil threw it right away into hell, right? He is not out to joke. He's called dragon. He'll drag you to hell, right? The devil is not coming to joke with you, not at all. Not at all. So when you look at just the dressing of, there are many things. First of all, you go to a country, uh, I give this example. When you look at Nairobi here also, I do not go very far. And you look at how Christians are prosecuting their lives, how they're executing their lives out there. Then you're like, just a moment. Are they even aware that the Messiah is coming and time is over and Israel is all over the news right now? Are they even aware? So, for the church in Thessaloniki, they, they were ignorant, and in their ignorance, they were panicking. Their fear was... to miss the rapture. But today, their ignorance is in deep sin. They are, they are today ignorant over who God is, my Lord. <laughs> Professor Vitalis. No, they are serious. They are ignorant of who God is. Who God is. Aye. They are not aware that God is holy. And they are saying, no, 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 no. Don't read for me the Old Testament. Me, I don't like that God who is judging. Just read the New Testament. They cherry pick. Picking what scriptures they want. They are ignorant of who God is, my Lord. They are not aware He is the same. And He judges sin. 
But they are living as though no, he doesn't judge sin. He does not see sin. Oh! Do you understand now? When he said, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be ignorant. He's addressing the biggest constituency in the church called the ignorant brothers and sisters. The biggest, more than 91% in the church are ignorant Christians. And, and you don't need to be a genius or anything. You just need to go and stand and look at how they are doing their lives. He said, just a moment. They are ignorant about the cost of salvation. They are ignorant about the holiness of God. They are ignorant about what salvation is all about. Ay, ay, ay. They are ignorant also about what salvation is all about. <laughs> that is a big problem, right? Because otherwise, why would they be indulging in just rampant sin without care? Without care. You don't even want to get the pulpit. Not at all. Because there you will find pastors who are ignorant, who are not aware that God is holy. They will call themselves apostle, what? And you see once in a while, throw away wife with children, get another girl from worship, or get, get a new girl has come into the church, what? And then, and then sometimes, you know, their wives write to me, or they come to me and say, can you imagine he has dumped me with the children? Whatever. Can you rebuke him? He has dumped me with children. You don't even want to go to the pulpit because you're going to meet another gospel. The gospel connecting the world. There really there is a big ignorance on what salvation is all about. There you go now. That is what we saw yesterday, right? That the church in Thessaloniki, they are ignorant, but if you look at their quality of ignorance, it's such an ignorance in innocence. Because they are, they, 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 they are panicking about entry, right? They don't want to miss it. But here the ignorance is the nudity in the church. The abortions in the church. The ignorance is the church coming out and saying, we want to, doing a press conference, we want to apologize to the gay that for a long time we have abandoned you. Now we are ready to join your unions and please forgive us. They are ignorant about salvation, my Lord. They are ignorant about the Lord himself. Can you imagine they're doing that press conference and God is watching them? You see, you find a Pentecostal pastor, an Islamic imam, a Hindu what, a Buddhist what, a new whatever. They are together and say, ah, yes, we have just had a meal at the hotel here. The government sponsored us. We are interfaith uh, uh, fellowship. Uh, we are talking about peace of the land. And what they have just eaten chili, rice now. With nini, with beef or chicken, huh? And they want our dress press about peace of the land. My Lord, that is a lot of ignorance. How will you lead them if you are taking Jesus and equating to a cow? They are ignorant about God, the jealousy of God, salvation of Christ, Jesus as the only way. They are ignorant. Until you reach a point where pastors say, they say, they, they, when they are praying, they stopped. They stopped saying, 
even when you're praying in public, in the name of Jesus, say, in his name. Right? They say, yeah, in his name. That they're saying you don't want to offend others. My Lord. We'd rather separate out. That's why we did. Why? That is, you don't, if you say Jesus, in this place, upstairs, I don't even come downstairs, I command like this, the eternal blood of Jesus, and then see on your screen a Muslim, a Muslim cripple gets up, a Muslim on your screen, a Muslim cripple gets up, and starts walking away, and the entire Islamic community, if you start Mohammed Juma also, that would be very powerful, the Muslim, Mohammed Juma, Mohammed Juma, and the Muslim, 300 of them in that community, they say, please send us a bus, send us buses, we want to come and worship this God. How will you lead them to Jesus if you are always telling them that Jesus is equal to their idol gods? So do you understand now the ignorance I'm talking about? This is serious. There is judgment ahead, right? Yes, there is good. God will judge. He's going to judge them, right? Severely for that matter. Very seriously. Mohammed Juma, that day I was about to tell you people, no, no, those are new legs. Can, can you walk just so, so, 100 meters with him, sit down, give him soda, and then... No, he walked 4 kilometers, my Lord, in Mombasa. And the entire village came out. Everybody listen to this now, because we have new people here. Let, allow me to read first alone. The entire village came out, and they were singing. Do you know what, They went to the market with him. Do you know what they were singing? We Muslims, Muslim community, the creepers got up, they said, We were right, Mungu wetu. Mungu wanabi, Jehovah, Ameinua kiwete. They went singing that to the market. Meaning the kingdom of God belongs to everybody. Everybody, the Lord knows that which he can present to you and convert your heart. So how then will they find you? How will they find you that you give them the gospel if you are ready together with them and are agreeing that your gods are equal? How? How is that possible? How is that possible? It's not. It's not possible. Do you understand the level of ignorance? So that matter of ignorance, if you look at even the gospel, then you don't understand the primary role of the church. The church was set apart, separated, ecclesia, separated from the world, called out of the world. For God's purpose, to lead people to the kingdom of God. So when you find the church preaching an earthly gospel, connecting people to the earth, time is over. They are not telling them the Messiah is coming. Then you are like, just a moment. What level of ignorance is this? So while there was ignorance being rebuked there, here is worse. That's why the Lord has sent us to rebuke it, right? Because the Bible says, for without holiness, nobody will see the Lord. Are we together? So blessed people, I know that there's also coffee down there. But you know, yeah, we saw these things yesterday. <laughs> Hallelujah. We saw that that ignorance is serious. And we saw also that uh, the Lord comes out now to address that ignorance, right? But we saw that the ignorance spreads out. So look at this now. The way you live your life, the way you live your life as a Christian, you may think you're doing well, 
But you're exposing your ignorance, right? Yes. Yeah, you may think, you know, you're doing well, you're flying high, whatever. But now, what is that? People have expectations of what you should be, how you should be dressing, how you should be leading your life, you know, the community, or what you should be saying. And then in that office, you hear people saying, Na, nasema meokoka. And she, say, she keeps saying she's born again, but look at the way she's behaving. Look at the way she's dressed today. Whatever. Just be very careful then. Because Christianity, salvation is a very high calling. Christ himself has died and shed blood. Are we together? To redeem you. He is God. He is the Almighty. And so we looked at that ignorance yesterday, blessed people. And so, again, still on verses 13 and 14 alone, it was quite big. And then we handled the following also yesterday. So that I may get started for tonight. Still touching base with those who are not here yesterday. Hallelujah. So we also handled... Are there some people sitting upstairs? They are not today. And they don't want. Or they want. Our turkey. What have they just answered? Adnataka. I think that's a city in Japan or something. Okay, just climb up then. <laughs> climb up with your seats, my sons and daughters. <laughs> Nataka. So that may be just a city in Japan. <laughs> climb with your seats so I can see you from here face to face, right? Don't worry, don't worry. Sit down. They'll do it themselves. Sit down. They'll do it themselves. Just climb up with your seats. Because you don't want to waste time. Those who want, you can be going up as I continue. Because we're going to start for tonight now. So, you remember you built this house, right? Hallelujah. You are the ones who built it. It's such a big nini. I don't want to say. Hallelujah. So, that is serious. And then the other thing we saw yesterday... He said, ignorance on those who sleep. He said, sleep in death. Then we ask the question, why is he calling death sleep? Why is he calling death sleep? Are we together? Everybody sit down. Where are you going to sit down? Sit down. <laughs>